specifically wanted to ask you about the harvest in Greece. If you could, I was reading your wonderful, uh, what you had to say in this book about going to, going, you know, participating in the olive oil harvest for the first time. And I wondered if you could just recount some of those memories of how the olive oil happens, a harvest happens in Greece, when it happens, um, and, you know, why Greeks might have a, a taste for this early harvest oil. So the olive, or the olive harvest in Greece uh, basically starts in the fall, uh, depending on where you are, when, what, where one is in the country, the further north, the later the harvest, in places like Crete, which, which is very far south and warmer, the harvest will start earlier. Um, typically it starts sometime in October and it, it starts, it's different for table olives than it is for oil olives. Table olives are harvested a little bit later. Oil olives are harvested over a period of months, starting with the very early part of the harvest, which is usually sometime in October, as I mentioned uh, earlier. And that, those olives are the green unripe olives. And there are many different varieties of oil olives in Greece. The most prevalent is the Koroneiki variety, but there are many others, Manaki and all sorts of other oil olives. Um, and each of them has its own characteristic, but also characteristics that are a reflection of the, the landscape and the terrain and the microclimate and you know, all those things that go into any agricultural product. Um, the earlier olives produce an oil that we call agurelo, which is a, an early harvest olive oil, a green olive oil, um, or excuse me, an olive oil produced from green olives, from unripe olives. And that oil tends to be much higher in polyphenol. Uh, and, you know, the polyphenol count is much higher. Um, that is typically, um, in fact, there's now a trend in Greece in some places, and Crete is one of them, and there are some wonderful oils coming out of uh, the mountainous areas of Crete, but also in parts of the Peloponnese and in Corfu and in a few other places um, where producers are really being very careful about the polyphenol count and you know, taking good care to produce oils early in the season and selling them at a premium because, you, you know, they're more, uh, you get less oil um, when the olive is unripe, but it, and it's an acquired taste for many people and not in Greece, in Greeks, it, uh, it, you know, the Greek palate is inured to bitterness and to sour tastes, much more so than the American palate. We've been, you know, we've been, our palate has been honed on sugar for some, for a few generations that bitter is somehow, you know, not, not, embraced so fully, um, but it's really, it's very delicious oil, peppery and, you know, all, has all sorts of different aromas and, and flavor components. Um, and then later in the season, um, and, and, it's, and it's not as though the harvest happens sort of all at once, it's often gradual. So you're not harvesting an entire tree, you're harvesting what's ripe or ready for whatever oil you wanna make on a particular tree. So. The, the, the landscape is one of usually pretty rough terrain, often on, on terraces that are you know, carved into slopes or mountainsides. 
So it's very hard to get farm equipment onto places like that. Um, most of the harvest is manual still to this day. You know, there are a few, you know, quote unquote machines that they hold that kind of shake the branches a little bit. Um, and there's another technique where they cut the branches and there's a comb-like mechanism, so usually manually that they just sort of rake the olives off the branches. So it you know, depends from region to region and producer to producer. Um, but the harvest goes on until sometimes you know January. I mean, now things might be changing a little bit because nobody can predict the weather anymore. But um, but that's kind of it in a you know in a nutshell. It's a very special time in Greece, especially in the countryside. And many people produce their own olive oil. I have eight or nine trees on my land here in Ikaria, and. You know, I would love to produce my own oil. It would probably cost me five times as much, you know, to do that than to buy really good oil. Um, but it's something I want to do at some point. I was surprised to read that the Greeks are the number one per capita consumers of olive oil. Would you talk about why that might be? How how Greeks think about using olive oil? It might be different from how other countries use it. Uh, okay, Greeks are. Uh, the the number one consumers of olive oil in the world, and I think the number three producers. Um, from what I remember, something like ninety percent of Greek olive oil is extra virgin, and of course, you know there are many different categories of extra virgin oil. I mean, it's it's a you know sort of a wide open sea of of quality and and qualitative differences. But for Greeks, olive oil is a a spiritual food as much as it is a source of nutrition. Um, it's something that has always been part of this culture. Um, when you get married in the Greek Orthodox Church, uh, one of the parts of the marriage sacrament is may your home never be without bread, wine, and olive oil, because that's the foundation for a meal and for you know not being hungry um when children are baptized in the greek orthodox church they're um they're they're um anointed with olive oil so it's a very you know it's much more than a food i've been there's a beautiful icon from mount athos that i saw i saw a replica of in uh, the on the, in the olive grove of a friend of mine, there's a small church on it. It's in the Peloponnese outside of Sparta. And it's the, um, it's the Virgin Mary of the olive groves. And it's a very rare icon. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of cultural, cultural um, many cultural references and cultural innuendo in, in the whole idea of olive oil. We use olive oil to light the lamps in, in church as well. So it's just a really, you know, it's much more than a food for us, but it's also, um, and again, this does have something to do a little bit with religion, but for, if you follow the Greek Orthodox fasting calendar and many people still do, you're basically going off all animal products uh, for half the year, 40 days before Easter, 40 days before Christmas, two weeks before August 15th, and then Wednesdays and Fridays, you know, throughout the year, and then some other fasting periods. But um, 
some of those days during the fast are, are so strict that you're not even, you're not supposed to even have olive oil. But for the major, majority of those days, you create these beautiful plant-based dishes that we call la vera. There's a whole category of um, recipes of, of dishes in the Greek kitchen called la vera. And that comes from the word for lavi, which is the word for oil, which by default refers to olive oil. And those are dishes that we eat um, throughout the year. They're always plant-based dishes, mostly done in a, in a, a casserole, a stew pot, rare, sometimes in the oven, but mostly done on top of the stove. And those are dishes that are typically eaten um, during these fasting periods. So you have really wonderful dishes with legumes, you have chickpea stews and vegetable stews and casseroles and soups. And, and the olive oil is used in the beginning as a cooking fat, but also in the end, I'm sorry, in the end as a garnish or as, as a, a, an additional flavor component. Um, so I, you know, it's always been, I, I also think like th thinking about those dishes, I think that one of the reasons why Greek children eat vegetables so much more easily than Amer my American friends' kids ever did um, is because the one thing that makes, you know, so much plant-based cooking palatable is the fat content. And there is fat content in the in those dishes in Greece, and but it's good fat, and it's also um, it's very comforting, and that food is cooked slowly. So even even vegetables have the natural sugars in the vegetables have a chance to develop over the course of you know two hours of simmering. Uh, so there's there are little things like that that make that kind of food very palatable even to a young person. Um, and I think, yeah, I mean, everywhere you look in Greece, you see olive trees. You see olive trees growing on the sidewalks, you know, in Athens. You see olive trees in everyone's backyard. I mean, it's, it's so much um, a part of the culture. And it, there's a very famous um, poet, um, Odysseus Elitis, and I think one of his poems, he's a Nobel Prize winning Greek poet. One of his poems talks about what you need to, if, if Greece were destroyed, you could rebuild it um, with a boat, a grapevine, and an olive tree. So it's you know the sea, the vine, and and the oil. So it's you know the olive. So it's a very very deep part of Greek culture and and the cooking. Beautiful answer. Um, would you talk a little bit about this? Um, you know, very pungent, bitter oil uh, that is the early harvest oil. I think a lot of people think they don't like that kind of oil. What can chefs do to um, encourage people to embrace stronger flavored oils? Any culinary techniques that make it easier to appreciate that style? These very pungent, peppery green oils from unripe olives, the, the, the agurela, as we call them in Greek, you know, to many people, that's an acquired taste. The bitterness is a little bit unexpected. The pepperiness, you know, it burns the back of the throat, but that's an indication of, of all the good stuff that's in the oil, the polyphenols and, you know, the 
all the, all the stuff that we we like about olive oil. Um, it might be an acquired taste to many Americans because we're not our palates aren't honed on those flavors. Um, if in a in a in a restaurant situation, there are some things that chefs um, can certainly do to educate their 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 guests, their clients, their customers about these oils. One of them um, would be to create demand by making a tasting expensive. Uh, <laughs> you know, you always want what you can't have. Um, another thing would be to maybe just create, use them in, you know, sparingly uh, over certain things. So think about, you know, what they would counterbalance. So maybe vegetables that are mild, you know, things and, and earthy and have a kind of rounded buttery flavor on their own. So things that the cabbage family cooked, you know, bok choy, or I'm just thinking out loud here, um, Brussels sprouts too, but they're maybe a little bit strong. Um, things that, vegetables that have a natural sweetness maybe that would counter, be counterbalanced by the pungency of an oil. Uh, maybe in a dessert, I think that might be quite interesting. Um, but I, and I also think that people are more open now to different flavors. I mean, if you can create a demand for something as difficult as kimchi, I think that, you know, you can create interest and demand for these very delicious, very healthy, pungent, peppery olive oils. Can you give examples, plant-based examples, preferably, of dishes that really shine because of that pungent olive oil, be a specific dish that just really shows it off. Some of the dishes in Greek cuisine that really show off these pungent oils are, uh, are some of the simplest dishes, uh, things like just a cooked, a simple boiled beet salad, if you're using great fresh beets that are, have that beautiful natural sweetness, and you drizzle a little of that peppery oil on top and maybe some kind of garnish like ground, you know, crushed, some kind of garnish like crushed pistachios or, um, you know, maybe some herbs. Um, I love them just in, again, in sort of simple salads like a Greek salad or over horta. That would probably be, that's the one thing that maybe is most conducive to a drizzling of those oils. Uh, those horta are the cooked greens. So even the bitter greens, you know, so like a mustard green with a peppery oil, that would be really a burst of flavor. Or, um, you know, some of the sweet greens, things like sorrel and some of the sweeter chicories and even a spinach, just a cooked spinach, you know, even a simple steamed spinach with a little bit of feta cheese and that one of those oils. I think you want to think about recipes that are simple and recipes that let the oil shine. Do you keep other styles of oil in your kitchen? And if so, could you talk about how you use them? Do you keep a range of oils from different regions, oils of different flavors? I keep a range of oils in my kitchen um, a little bit by default because I actually sell many of them uh, online. So I keep, you know, and have a number of oils from different parts of the country. But I'm also interested in the different varieties of olives that are used to produce olive oils. So I will 
think about a dish and, you know, I mean, I'm talking more like when you use oil as a garnish. Um, so yes, I would use, you know, some of the rounder oils from the Northern part of the Peloponnese made with the Manaki uh, variety of olive over, maybe I would use something like that in a, you know, a soup, like a, a chickpea soup. I can sort of see that working because they're both kind of mild. Um, some of the oils from Lesvos are also very interesting. Um, the Peloponnese has all different types of oils depending on where you are. So the north is different from the oils around the Sparta and those are different from the oils around Kalamata. And Crete is the same. It's really, it's big and it produces a lot of olive oil. It's, you know, a lot of it is very, very good and it's different from place to place. Um, and I do keep a couple, I keep a workhorse oil in my kitchen, which is a perfectly fine oil. It's an ex, you know, good extra virgin olive oil. I also, you're talking to somebody who goes through 25, you know, liters a year just for me. So when there are four of us in the house, that's a lot of olive oil. So yeah, I, I, I'm very, uh, you know, loose with the olive oil. <laughs> So I do keep, I, and the workhorse olive oil is a very, very good oil. So it's not, you know, and I, when I cook at home, I'm not as thoughtful. You know, if I'm cooking for myself, I may not be as thoughtful about the oils that I'm using. If I'm cooking for a company or for, you know, in a professional situation, I might think a little bit harder about, hmm, this has, you know, this tastes of X and maybe I need to think about a dish that it would be good with. We also use olive oil in baking. Would you talk a little bit about that, the use of olive oil in baking? What particular, especially if there are any styles of olive oil that you associate with baked goods? And I'm not sure whether you mean sweet or savory. But. Uh, no, I would, I'm talking about sweets. Um, we use olive oil in uh, pastry and baking in the Greek kitchen as well. There are a lot of traditional recipes that call for olive oil. Some of them are Lenten sweets. Uh, one really well-known one is what we, is halva, which is in, there are many different versions of it, but the one that uses olive oil is a, a semolina-based um, version, and it's almost like, um, it's almost like a roux with semolina, and then you set it, and you add things to it, so it's one, two, three, four, one part olive oil, two parts semolina, three parts sugar, four parts water. So you're making a syrup and that goes over the, the, the semolina once it's set. And you can add things like orange zest and raisins and nuts and saffron is very nice in there. So that's one um, dessert that's made with olive oil. We have all sorts of cookies, cakes. There's some wonderful cakes made with olive oil, a few vegan cakes that are actually very traditional. So, and I think there's also a trend, a trend now I've seen, you know, olive oil, ice creams in Greece. I've seen all sorts of newer, you know, kind of more creative pastry with olive oil. If you had, or let's fantasize a little bit, you're having a dinner party, all your guests are vegetarian. Can you walk us through what a menu might be and um, if, what type of oil you might choose for each dish, if it's, if it's different? Uh, I, I have to say, I think about some of the stuff that I do in my classes on Ikaria because we focus a lot on plant-based food. And I actually have had many guests over the years who are vegetarian or 
vegan even, and you know, some other dietary restrictions, but we do mostly plant-based cooking. Uh, a typical meal uh, would be things like, I would perhaps do a pie. Uh, so that's a use of olive oil in baking. And in that type of situation, I would probably use my workhorse oil to make the pastry, to make the phyllo dough, because I would, I would do that with a homemade phyllo. And that is um, in, in a pound of flour, probably a half to two thirds of a cup of extra virgin olive oil. Now that's one place where you could use a more pungent oil and it would probably shine. And then you were also brushing each of those sheets of phyllo with olive oil before we bake them. Um, we put the pie together, we cook all of the vegetables and my, in my pies would include maybe 15 or 20 different greens and herbs stuff that's available locally here in Icaria. So things like lemon balm, poppy leaves, um, all sorts of wild greens, amaranth greens, mints, and you know, things in the mint family, oregano, marjoram, wild fennel, dill, parsley, carrots that are grated, zucchini that's grated, um, maybe some winter squash if I have some in the freezer, um, lots of onions and leeks and other things in the onion family. And all of that goes into the filling. So it's very herbaceous and it's wonderfully uh, complemented by the richness of the olive oil. So it's that combination of grassiness and fat that makes, and starch because we have the phyllos. So that's, that would be kind of the, one of the centerpieces of a, of a meal like that. Um, with a greens pie, I might make, um, I might make a tzatziki or some kind of yogurt-based dip. Could be a traditional one. It could be, the, in, a lot of places in Greece serve yogurt with these savory pies. So could be something, you know, with, I would use a mild vegetable, maybe a grated carrot or, or a, an, um, a cucumber. And there I could definitely see using a pungent oil because that's more of a garnish on top. You really taste the oil. And it's a very nice, it's a very interesting, um, play on textures because you have the fattiness from the yogurt and the fattiness from the olive oil. So the, the sharpness of the oil, which would, would I think, shine. Um, I might serve, uh, I would definitely serve some sort of fresh salad. So something like a palate cleanser kind of salad, maybe, um, you know, just a beautiful tomato salad or a tomato and maybe some feta cheese if I haven't put feta in the pie or tomato cucumber and feta. And there, you know, I would maybe think about using, you know, there I think I would want the tomatoes to shine because there's nothing like a Greek tomato in summer. Uh, so I would use maybe an, one of the olive oils I like very much from the Northern Peloponnese, which are, are made with the manaki um, olive. Um, I might, um, depending on the pie filling, I might make a legume. So maybe a lentil, maybe a, a filling like lentil salad or chickpea salad or black eyed pea salad, which we eat a lot of in Icaria. And the earthiness of those beans or those legumes, I think they're often um, enriched with a lot of fresh herbs. The 
the palette of flavors in Greece gravitates more toward an herbal palette than a spice palette. Um, and the herbal palettes, the herbal, the variety of herbs that we use in cooking, I think work really well with all sorts of olive oils. But in say a dish like a black eyed pea salad, which might have dill and maybe some vinegar um, and some onion, um, I would probably want to use a softer oil because the onion is sharp and maybe I'd add capers to that. So you don't want too much sharpness. So I think that's a meal. I mean, that's four dishes. Yeah. Great answer. Uh, lastly, just to wrap up, any more comments or guidance you might have for chefs about how to, um, how to embrace a broader range of olive oils, how to, why they should think more thoughtfully about the olive oil that they're using in their kitchens and, you know, not, not to stop at one oil. I think chefs should start to think about olive oil, maybe the way that we think about wine a little bit. Um, I'm not suggesting that we, you know, restaurants should have a, you know, an olive oil cellar with 500 different olive oil varieties, but I think it would be interesting to have olive oils. And also, of course, it depends on the restaurant, but, um, you know, say in a restaurant that serves some kind of range of, of cooking from the Mediterranean, you might want to have a range of oils from different regions um, or in restaurants that focus on one cuisine, say a Greek restaurant, um, might be interesting to have olive oils from different parts of the country and to introduce people to, to different flavors of oils. Um, you know, there's also, an, there's a story there. You can build dishes, you can build regional dishes around regional olive oils and you can serve those with regional wines. So there's a way to make that whole experience um, more complex, you know, in terms of flavor, deliciously complex, but also a richer dining experience. And we go, you know, we go out to eat to, to travel too. So in a way, you know, it's a, it's a bit of um, vicarious traveling.